0: Support for this show and the following message come from Trevitt Hill. Overseeing a cannabis investment can be time-consuming and expensive. Trevitt Hill provides cannabis investors with an external turnaround team to help management reignite growth. For a free confidential review, go to trevithill.com.
1: That's the first question is, you know, we've got something good here with company A, your company B. And, you know, I think what you have would be really synergistic. Let's have a lunch. Let's, you know, let's have a lunch and talk about it. You know, no one has to commit to anything on the first day.
0: From Bummin' It Media, it's the MJ Bulls Podcast, a show about raising cannabis capital. I'm Dan Humiston, and on today's show, part four in our series, Things to Know When Raising Cannabis Capital, Dina Jalbert joins us to talk about mergers and acquisitions.
1: Hi, Dina. Hi, Dan. Today, we're with
0: Dina Jalbert and her company is Align Business Advisory Services. Yes, sir. Dina, we're at the Cannabis World Congress and Business Exposition. And Dana's here today to talk to us about mergers and acquisitions. Her company specializes in mergers and acquisitions. And this is part four in our series, Things to Know When Raising Cannabis Capital. Dina, before a company begins conversations with other companies about possible mergers and acquisitions, what are some of the internal things that they should do with their company to make sure that they're ready or that their house is all in order in order to do that?
1: Absolutely. We always tell clients that you can never start too soon. Whatever your envisioned horizon might be, or now, today is a good day as any to get started because there's a lot of preparation you can do. The first thing is, what's your strategy? One of the things that we ask people when we um, engage with them is, you know, when you close your eyes at night and you envision what you want this merger, this acquisition to be, what do you see? What's the end goal? What are you hoping to achieve through it? And let that be your guiding light, because once you know that, it's pretty easy then to make decisions and kind of plan administratively you know get your house in order yeah and get those books and re- no one likes to talk about accounting but you know get those books and records together
0: that's a reoccurring theme we hear that over and over
1: absolutely because it's the world of investors, they look at a historical trend to gauge future performance. And while brand and you know other intangibles, quality of product, customer base, things like that are certainly very important. At the end of the day, the number that matters is what your profit is. Mm-hmm. At least in mergers and acquisitions, venture capital might be a little different. And so having your books and records in order is paramount. It makes makes your life much easier. It makes the process go smoother. And so you can never start too soon. It's probably more
0: important to have your books in order than it is the company that you want to merge with or acquire because you know you have to start off in the right place.
1: Exactly right, uh, exactly right. And if there isn't that transparency in the beginning, you know, because a, a merger and an acquisition is a relationship of trust, really. I always tell our clients that you have to make sure that the person on the other side of the table is someone you like. You know, would you have a beer with them? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, you have to like them. You have to feel synergistic with them okay. more than just melding assets together to go forward relationship. And so you want them to have that same vision or, or believe in the vision or your visions are aligned and your, your product services are synergistic, you know, whatever that might be it goes beyond just the dollars and cents, you know, at the closing tables.
0: probably my next question is, how do you start the conversation? It's a little awkward. Hey, you want to merge? You
1: right, know? right, right, right. Well, you know, and if you start it from a place of strategy, it's a less opportunistic sounding question because right. it's really, you know, hey, we've got things that are working really well separately. I bet the sum of the whole would be a lot better and here's why like one
0: plus one is going to equal four instead of two exactly
1: right and that's why we start with strategy and you know what do you see and what the motivation is because that's how you can identify the people you want to approach you know folks who do just kind of a big broad throw the giant net out and hope to catch some fish and maybe it'll work and we'll put the pieces together those never work Mm -hmm. they never work and you know you can put as much money into it and effort and it just they're not aligned for the right reasons. Motivation is a truly meaningful word in these that you have to both be motivated and want the same thing. So when you approach someone or you know, someone like ourselves approach another entity on your behalf. That's the first question is, you know, we've got something good here with company A, your company B. And, you know, I think what you have would be really synergistic. Let's have a lunch. Let's, you know, let's have a lunch and talk about it. You know, no one has to commit to anything on the first day. And sometimes it's one of those, you know, timing is everything. That's the next part from a preparation perspective. Mm -hmm. That's why it's never too soon to start because you want to strike a transaction like that uh, at the right time. Okay. You know, yeah. so you have that lunch and maybe not today. You know, maybe today is not the right time, but you now have that connection. You've had that initial you conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so six months later, the timing might be right because you landed a big new customer or they have a new distributor or something changes that now the timing is better. I gotcha. And so you're, oh, great. You know, hey, let's kick back to that lunch conversation right. and bring it back up again.
0: When is it a good time to bring in a professional?
1: Again, never too soon. <laughs> we have clients that engage us five, seven years in advance wow. of their exit. And, and the reason for that is when you are in a high growth business, you are so focused on that. I call it the bullet train, right? So that bullet train's going down the tracks. And it's all you can do to keep it on the tracks and keep it going in the right direction and keep it at that velocity. And so then to do something like M&A or any really change management effort within the organization, it's really hard to do both of those things at the same time. Well, right. And so we'll come in and or other advisors will come in and just help be that extra bandwidth so that you can keep the bullet train going. But in parallel, you're seeking inorganic opportunities. So
0: let's just say now we find a target company that looks like a perfect match. And we're into the negotiations. What are like some of the do's and don'ts in these types of negotiations? Like how much can you ask for? How much can you expect? How much much should you share?
1: There's a finesse to it for sure. You want to be transparent because trust comes from transparency. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a perceived, not reality, but it's just the perception for the other party at the table that you aren't being fully transparent. It creates that level of distrust and then it's hard to ever get that back. So that's we having good books and records, you can be transparent. It's open. It's okay to open up the closet and show some skeletons. Everybody has one. No business is perfect. That's why mergers and acquisitions are so beneficial and the value is created because The combined entity tends to take care of a lot of those skeletons okay yeah so it's not necessarily something to be you know afraid of disclosing so
0: it'll come out anyway
1: well exactly right it always does and so you start from that place and so you know be open and be transparent as you go to negotiate one of the things that we are very kind of adamant about with folks that we work with is don't be so focused or solely focused i should say on the enterprise value like what you're going to sell or merge for, you know, whatever that valuation, you know, here at the conference, I've already heard it probably 20 times on the first day. While it's certainly very important, you know, you want to monetize the assets that you've built to that point in time. But what you're doing in a merger and in an acquisition is you are... Taking it to the next level to earn even more and to grow even more and to have more opportunity. And that's what you need to focus on. And so, really focusing on those synergies that I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, do you like the other parties? Oftentimes, in MA, I actually read a statistic, I think it was in Forbes the other day, that said 70% of all MA transactions fail within the first six to 12 months after closing. Brilliant. And it's because oftentimes the parties are very asset focused. They treat it like a commodity. So it's like, well, you've got a widget that I really want. And if I just get that widget, it's going to be great. But then you get that widget. But with that widget comes people and compliance and other things that are you put those two together and it's I don't care how good the widget is yeah the
0: the oil and water just are not mixing exactly
1: right it's gonna fall apart and that
0: brings me right up to the next question because you hear about these match made in heaven mergers and they don't work because maybe there's a culture clash or something yeah how do you Prevent that from happening and yeah. you'll be in the front end and the back end.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You have to really wrap your head around that as you go into an acquisition. If you're being acquired, you know, say you're selling to a you know big publicly traded company and you've grown your company large and now they wanna, you know, bring you in the fold, being a business owner and then turning and being an employee is a very yeah. different thing. And yeah, so, sure. you know, we talk to our clients about that and say, you know, how do you feel about that? Are you okay with that? Because if not, then we should look to financial investors who will let you continue to have your autonomy. You may even be able to keep a majority ownership. You know, we look for a different type of partner. So that's why it's always good to know what your strategy is and what you want it to look like. Mm-hmm. You know, what in a perfect world, I want to stay on. I still want to have control. I want to take some money off today, but then I want to grow even further with these people. Okay, great. That construct is what you then to your earlier question, you know, how do you approach people? That's how you know the pool of folks to go And it's usually small, a small group of folks to go have those conversations with. So when it fails, people don't think that broadly. They, They look at the widget and can I, I just want to get the widget and then cultures. The biggest, the two areas that we always see things go sideways is management. You know, now you've got two management teams and who's the chief and who's the Indian, for lack of a better metaphor. And that needs to be defined. And what happens on day one? I always tell folks that a, an MA closing is much like a light switch. You just flip it and it's on. And that day, you, you know, insurance in place and you now have payroll for these people. And you know, if you're the acquirer. Yeah. And so we work with our clients to, to plan for that. And then for those that maybe are exiting and, and uh, selling outright, we say, well, what are you gonna do now? Like, What's next for you? And do you have a plan? Right. Right. You, know, you just got to think through those things. And that's why I always say it's never too soon to start because all those things take time to figure out. And your answer may change over time as you get feedback from the market and you know see what's out there.
0: Well, Dina Gelber, it's great to talk to you. If somebody wants to talk to you yeah. in, more, in more depth on this, how can they get a hold of you?
1: Uh, well, you can call or email me. So my email, uh, direct email is d. Jalbert, J-A-L-B-E-R-T, I always like to say Albert with a J in front, <laughs> yep. at AlignBA.com. Our website is AlignBA.com and on our site, you can get our direct dial that actually rings straight through to us okay. and you know, we'd love to have a conversation and see if we can be of help.
0: Well, and all their information is also on the MJ MJBulls and MJBulls.com website. We'll have that all up for this episode. Dina, it's been great speaking with you. Thank I know you a so lo- much. Yeah, a lot of good information. This is one area that people don't talk a lot about in this industry. Mm-hmm. You hear a lot about raising capital, mm-hmm. but we haven't really rolled into the mergers and acquisitions yet. So this, yeah. I think this is very, very valuable information. I'm Thank glad you spent you. some time yeah, with us. Yeah,
1: consolidation is coming. You know, you yeah. heard Coke the other day. It's just a matter of time. So it's good to understand m and because it's coming. Well, good luck. Thank you. Thanks.
0: Hey, just a quick shout out to one of our former guests, Green Goddess Supplies, which is an online cannabis merchandise company. Remember, you can listen to that show or any of our previous podcasts on iTunes. Thanks for listening to the MJ Bulls podcast. To learn more about today's guests or to apply to be a guest, visit our website at mjbulls.com. And if you like our show, give us a review on iTunes. Today's show was produced by Bummin' It Media. I'm Dan Hummiston, and you've been listening to the MJ Bulls Podcast.
1: Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows.
0: Season 1 of Dope History is now available at dopehistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lep, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at dopehistory.com.